Welcome to the Clinical Pharmacist podcast, where we discuss interesting topics related to clinical pharmacists in general practice. My name is Runa. I'm your host, the clinical lead of CPS and the training and development manager of Clinical Pharmacists Academy. Today, we're kicking off a new series, which is all about clinical pharmacists in PCNs. And we're basically discussing what it's like to work in a PCN role what to expect once you're in. Um, So if you're thinking about working for a PCN or you've recently joined a PCN, this series is for you. It's a pleasure to also be joined by fellow pharmacist and colleague Rahina Kassam, who will be co-hosting this episode with me today. Rahina is part of our management team and she's got a similar role to mine as the training and development lead. Rahina, thank you very much. Welcome. Thank you, Runa. So yes, as Runa has said, my name's Rahina. I am clinical pharmacist with independent prescribing, as well as have done my ACP to a certificate level. So I've been in primary care for about five years now and have been a lead pharmacist in a primary care setting. So my clinical areas of expertise are hypertension, dyslipidemia, asthma, COPD and depression. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Excellent. Thank you so much. We also, of course, we have a guest today whose name is Hasham Raja. Hasham, welcome. Hi, Runa. Hi, Rohina. Hi, thank you so much for joining us today. So Hasham has entered the primary care sector in around October 2020 as a junior pharmacist, and he started out as a PCN, within a PCN role. And that's where he met Rahina, and Rahina was actually the senior pharmacist at the time. And I believe he's developed quite a lot since then. He's starting a senior pharmacist position soon as well. Um, so I thought it would be really nice to get his insight into the role and, you know, perhaps let us uh, give us an insight into how he's developed within the role. So welcome, Hashan. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I think we'll start off firstly by, for some of those our audience who may not know, uh, what's the difference between a clinical pharmacist in the PCN role versus can directly for a GP practice? Rahina, perhaps you can start off with this one. What's the difference between PCN role and general practice role? Yeah, absolutely, Rina. So when you're working within a primary care network, you are covering multiple sites. So this is this may be three sites, it may be five sites, sometimes even can be eight sites. So you'll be rotating between different surgeries that have all come together to form a primary care network, so also known as PCN. When you're working as a PCN pharmacist, there's specific roles and tasks for you to be carrying out that may differ from your normal workload as a GP practice-based pharmacist. So as a PCN-based pharmacist, you'll be working towards things such as the DES and the IIF, as well as incentive schemes that your GP practice may be working towards. Whereas when you're normally a GP practice-based pharmacist, you're working through the normal daily workload of the GP practice. So normal med reviews, doing high-risk drug monitoring, That's not to say that you won't do that as part of your role within the PCN as well, um, but the workload is slightly different and where your work comes from is slightly different as well. Yeah, and I think think that's a very good overview. And I think sometimes you might find that you're shared between a number of surgeries. The PCN have their own agenda, as you said, you know, there's different roles assigned and the GP surgery may want you to do a particular thing, but you sort of have to manage that as well. So it can be tricky sometimes uh, for those GP surgeries who want their pharmacists to, to do specific things. And sometimes what you might find is there's also the PCN pharmacist and then the GP practice has their own sort of dedicated pharmacist as well. And 
outside of the PCN uh, sort of budgets. So I know a lot of surgeries do that as well. Um, and then those pharmacists have their own sort of individual defined roles. So Hasham, you came in from community pharmacy background and joined the PCN for the first time as your first role in GP practice. How did you find that transition? Um, it was very different, let's say. Um, coming from community pharmacy, um, you're dealing with patients day to day. You build up that relationship. They see you face to face. And I joined in the midst of the COVID pandemic. So it was what, October 2020, I joined the PCN. Um, and it's very different. Everything was over the phone, telephone consultations uh, predominantly. And I guess it was different working with, you know, uh, part of a bigger multidisciplinary team. So as you guys alluded to earlier in regards to the PCN role, you've got a number of different members. You've got the physios, the social prescribers, the PCN nurses, et cetera. So you're part of a much bigger team. And on top of that, you've got, you know, your, the GPs you're working with in the individual surgeries. So there's a lot of avenues there for you to seek knowledge, gain knowledge and seek help also. Uh, whereas sometimes in community pharmacy, you are sort of left with your t- hands tied where you, know, you have to refer to the GP and the patient doesn't get the outcome maybe they wanted when they came in so I guess that was a big difference okay yeah and what what kind of challenges did you face coming from a community background into a GP practice-based role it was completely different and I didn't expect it to be that different you know I was quite nervous when I first started Um, And I guess I grew into the role of knowing what we can do in a GP surgery because I had very little, if any, experience of working in in a GP surgery or in a primary care network prior. It was community pharmacy was all I knew. Um, But one of the main challenges was, you know, in community pharmacy, sometimes you have that fallback where you can't sometimes solve the patient's issue on the spot and you've got that fallback or maybe you need to go see your GP for this. Um, Whereas when you're working in the GP surgery, you're kind of expected to deal with the situation and provide a solution or direct in an appropriate manner so that was balancing act of finding my own limitations what are they what are they what can I actually do I've got this array of resources now that I possibly didn't have access to as a community pharmacist so now having all these resources at my disposal I was able to provide a lot more solutions so initially it was a challenge get overcoming that hurdle and thinking oh god how am I going to deal with this I've got to provide a solution. I have to provide a solution. And I guess that was a bit of a mental block for me where through consultation with um, lead pharmacists, yourself, and, you know, we, we came up with a plan where there are certain things that you can deal with. There are certain resources you can use. So I guess overcoming that sort of mental block about, oh God, what am I going to do in this situation was a, a big learning curve. Absolutely. And I agree. So it, it can be quite a steep learning curve when you do first change from sectors and in terms of differences for you how did you find the workload differed what was your main workload day to day so I mean the main difference was you get to sit down in a GP surgery whereas in community pharmacy you most of the time you stood on your feet all day tell me about it (laughs) it's not something you'd like to go back to I guess once you've experienced the good, good old world of the GP surgery Okay, Shams, just to touch on that point that where you mentioned about being expected to provide solutions in the GP surgery, and you're, you're absolutely right about that. And that's one thing that I've noticed, Rahina may have noticed as well, uh, being a senior pharmacist, where your junior pharmacists are coming to you and asking you these questions. For example, we've got internal clinical pharmacies queries group. 
uh, where especially some of our new pharmacists, you know, regularly ask uh, questions that may come up. And it's very easy to, um, you know, just give them the answer. But I think it's very important for a clinical pharmacist to be able to use the reference sources available to formulate. It's clinical decision-making, isn't it? I think that's a very important skill to develop. You may not necessarily have the answer there and then. Um, it, it may be that the patient needs to see a specialist, for example, but as long as you know those different avenues, as you said, Hashan, we, you know, they may need like an appropriate onward referral, for example. So I think that's a very key point with regards to being able to make clinical decisions and use the reference sources resources available to you uh, because sometimes the answer is not black and white is it and you just sort of need to use your clinical judgment how have you found that Hasham and how have you because I think you've probably gotten better at that uh, and it's probably why you've sort of developed in your role what's your experience been like yeah I mean again coming back to the community pharmacy aspect you know where I had a, a lot of patients would come to me and because they couldn't get an appointment at the GP surgery so you're kind of in that mindset of providing the patient with some sort of solution, you know, even if it's temporary with an OTC medication at the pharmacy. But like I said earlier, you've got all these resources um, at your disposal to make a decision. And I think often you come across pharmacists, sometimes maybe they lack the confidence to make that solution. And so, yeah, they lack the confidence maybe to make a decision and stick by that decision. I think what I want to you know, promote as pharmacists is that we are experts in our field. In medication, pharmacology, we're experts, right? We have this vast mountain of knowledge. Um, you know, we've done a, a master's degree. We had to do our pre-reg, you know. We've got all this foundation behind us let's use it let's provide solutions for these patients because it's no good saying yeah okay maybe i'll book you in for a gp appointment but you've actually not provided a solution where you can you should go all the way to the end and provide a solution for that patient even if it means following up in a couple of weeks at least you've done your bit and it increases the patients you know expectations of the pharmacist what they think of the pharmacist you're promoting your profession continuously so in that sense i think you know there is a barrier there where you know certain pharmacists may feel they lack the confidence or lack not necessarily the knowledge because we have this knowledge we, everyone yeah. has that knowledge everyone who's a pharmacist they've passed that degree they've passed that pre-reg exam so they have the knowledge there it's about utilizing that and that often I find we're information oriented so we give a load of information but no no real solutions yeah I think I think you're absolutely right and coming back to your point about promoting the profession, not only to the patients, but, you know, to our fellow colleagues as well, for example, some of the GP surgeries or the nurses who may referred something to us expecting us and rightly so expecting us to come up with some sort of clinical decision and we just simply pass it back to them without doing any investigations or any research and just simply not using the resources that are available to us and and I think you're right it probably does come down to a confidence thing pharmacists I think underestimate their abilities and I think where the profession is perhaps maybe quite new the pharmacists coming into their role it's it's new to them they may not necessarily be aware of what they can and can't do but I mean providing advice using the information available to you is something that all pharmacists should do. I think the only place where pharmacists need to draw the line, especially if they're a non-prescriber, is just avoiding diagnosing the patient with a particular condition, for example. But if it's with regards to advice about particular medication or or crushing uh, tablets or alternative formulations and things like that, I mean, we are supposed to be experts in that, as you said. So I think that's a very, very valid points there. And it also helps, like I say, respect amongst your fellow professionals, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw in my own practice, you know, when I first started, 
I was given a certain number of roles and that gradually increased, you know, the workload increased to I was given more and more responsibility, you know, more and more actions. I used to find that doctors used to ask me a lot more questions, you know, send a lot more tasks, send a lot more screen messages, asking for solutions, you know, and mm-hmm. they kind of relied upon your information, your fountain of knowledge, really. And all pharmacists have this knowledge. Yeah, and- definitely. As you said develop a reputation quite quickly amongst the colleagues as well and if you're um, you know quite good at providing them with appropriate solutions and just completing the the tasks appropriately that are assigned to you they do become more reliant on you whereas if you're the pharmacist where just simply send everything back and say you know this is outside of my competency fair enough some things may well be without outside of your competency but we don't want to just always use that as a blanket response and perhaps that's probably what's sort of allowed you to develop quite quickly in your role because you've only been you know, it's probably less than two years that you entered the workforce, the primary care workforce, and you're about to start your position as a senior pharmacist. And you, am I right that you don't have your independent prescribing qualification yet either? Yeah, so um, that's my next step uh, is my independent prescribing qualification. I actually start my new job in a couple of days as a senior pharmacist for a group of practices. So there's five practices that I'll be overseeing the prescribing policy. It's a more of a leadership role. So yeah, that work ethic, I guess, uh, has been recognised and uh, I've got this opportunity, um, which, you know, it is a big step and I'm looking forward to it and I look, look forward to making a difference. You know, it's it's like you said earlier, it's a new role, you know, GP pharmacist kind of, it's becoming more and more prominent and it's the perfect opportunity for us as pharmacists to showcase, you know, our expertise and showcase what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Um Rahina? Yeah, I think it goes as a credit to yourself, Hisham, that um, you've come into the role and you've been quite proactive. You've looked at different resources if you weren't sure of what areas that you could actually, you weren't competent in this area, you'd know where to look for information to make an informed decision or give advice. But you also, when you came into your role in general practice, you would look for what's your local formulary, who's your local CCG contacts, you would know where to go for advice. And I think that's quite important for a pharmacist, especially coming into GP practice, you've got quite a lot of stuff. So you're overwhelmed with new systems, you've got Docman, you've got EMIS, you've got systems someone but at the same time to be able to be quite proactive and look at what's around for your locality as well can really change the outcome of your role because you're showing that not only are you actually competent in your areas and as a pharmacist but you're able to look at the wider picture of what's going on in general practice as well. That's key like you're learning them foundations like you mentioned about the formulary and uh, your contacts and especially emis i mean i was completely new to it so getting to learn that properly and how to use the systems and your resources was key you know having that foundation step is key to your development so hasham lastly what advice do you think that you could give to someone transitioning or who's just recently joined pcn or general practice be confident go in there showcase your skills you have the knowledge and use it and always you know our code of conduct put the patient first and stick that stick by that ethos you know make the patient your first priority your first concern provide them with as much information or solution as you can possibly do you know do the best you can do for them don't leave them hanging and always seek out opportunities there's so many things to do within the gp uh, gp surgery you've got your pcn roles 
But often, you know, the roles do get muddled where GP surgeries expect you to do other things. And don't be afraid to take on tasks, you know, as long as your PCN work is being done. But help out with the surgery. Don't be scared of work. Don't be afraid of work because you can do it. And there are resources to help you as well. You know, you've got, like you mentioned, you've got contacts at the CCG. You have your contacts within the surgery. You may have a lead pharmacist if you're first uh, newly starting so use all these resources and be proactive you know that that would be the key be proactive and enjoy it because it's very rewarding you know providing these patients because often they are so grateful to speak to you or because it's so difficult to get an appointment and they're just grateful that you know they didn't have to wait two weeks for an appointment with the pharmacist for example and they value your input often and you guys have probably experienced this they'll ring oh i didn't know there was pharmacists working there at the surgery yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's been amazing. Thank you for that information. Nobody's ever told me about this medication like this before. Um, you know, I often got that with asthma management, you know, use your knowledge to explain how the different drugs work. And they're often like, oh, nobody's ever told me that. And thank you. Yeah, they're really grateful. Uh, and it's a really rewarding sort of career path to go down. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Very rewarding. You know, as you said, the, the amount of times that I've heard a patient say to me, oh, I've never heard that before at all. You know, they, they've been really grateful. And also everything that you've mentioned, very good tips and advice. I encourage all pharmacists listening um, to take all of those pieces of advice on board. And I'm sure you'll get far just like Hasham has though. Um, yeah, I think we'll wrap up there. So, Hasham, thank you so much for joining us you know sharing your valuable insights and experiences with us and we wish you all the best in your new role as a senior pharmacist i'm sure you'll be great there thank you no, thank you for the invite it's, it's been a pleasure joining you ladies this, this evening it's been our pleasure and rohina thank you so much for joining me this was fun and hopefully you can join us again hosting the clinical pharmacist podcast with me no problem thank you and again thank you again hasham you're welcome thank you guys okay, thank you this podcast was brought to you by Clinical Pharmacist Academy, supporting pharmacists to transition into the general practice sector and accelerate their career as a clinical pharmacist. For more information about our academy, visit cpaweb.org.uk.